Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Radio Red in the house, and to friends out there who, like me, are of the Jewish celebration era, it is the new year, Lishana Tova. Sweet and happy, healthy, that's all I can say, especially healthy this year. I think we all know why. No, I'm not going to cry. Before I introduce my three fabulous guests, I just know they're fabulous. I could just tell. I met most of them like eight minutes ago, and I can tell they're fabulous. We're going to do our quick shout-out guests on the count of three. We're going to say hello, LLL. So let's all make this a wonderful one. One, two, three. Hello, LLL. Oh, Josh, my one name wonder engineer. That was the most theatrical hello to LLO we've ever had. They're good. Anyway, that's lovely lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. And I'm warning you uh, to Sebastian, who hasn't been introduced yet, and Calliope and Natasha. Lovely lanky Laura Legs, who lives in Whitestone, which doesn't start with an L. And I'm trying to get her to move to London. But after the heat wave this summer, where she doesn't want to go. So um, she will send me an email at 8.01 p.m. Eastern with a little tiny synopsis of what each of you talk about on the show and how much she was inspired by you. Just so you know, she's my, my I would say girl reporter. We can't say she's my reporter. Yes, we don't do that anymore. So it is September 26th. Where has the year gone? I don't know, but it's still going and it's going very fast. We are now in the era of the Libra sign of the Zodiac, September 23rd. Started three days ago to October 22nd. It's the seventh astrological sign. I won't get into too many details, but the symbol is the scales. Fair and balanced. I'm not getting political here. It's based on the scales of justice held by Themis, the Greek personification of divine law and custom. The ruling planet is Venus. Venus. Anybody remember Frankie Avalon? Libra is the only zodiac sign represented by an object. The 11 other signs are an animal or a mythological character. I didn't know that. So I'm just going to say that we have, oh, let's see, it's the 269th day of the year. Thank you to Greg, Greggy, Grego, whatever his name, his mommy called him for the Gregorian calendar. We still use it. We're appreciating that. 96 days left in the year. If you want to go make homemade Kahlua, Sebastian, you better get started so the flavors are melding. Natasha, if you want to go behind the back of the house and get that still cranked up and make what used to be bootleg whiskey, it's time. And Calliope, if you want to go on an online liquor store, online booze website, wine store, and buy something special, it's all going to be gone very soon. So this is your warning, 96 days left to get ready for New Year's Eve because we know it's going to be a special one because we all made it through. And it's the 39th Monday today. and Nobody gives a you-know-what about that except me. Let me tell you who my special guests are today, and I call them my multifaceted creatives. Sebastian de Castell. He left archaeology day one. He said, what? I studied for this? Are you kidding? I don't want to be that. So what did he do? Ah, he spun the wheel. Vanna White didn't spin it for him. He spun the wheel, and he decided to become a musician and an ombudsman. He'll explain that. And an interaction designer. I have no idea what that is. And a fight choreographer. I don't even know what that is either. A project manager. I know an actor, a teacher. And then in the spare time, he decided to write fantasy novel series. Sebastian, wave hello. Can't wait to get to meet you. And a shout out to our mutual friend and colleague, Mickey Mickelson, for introducing 
from a wonderful, wonderful PR person who brings me wonderful people. There we go. And golf pro Calliope Barless. Calliope, wave hello. I met her at the National Publicity Summit, and she is a licensed NLP master trainer, an author, a TV producer, a TEDx presenter with a heck of a lot of people who saw her in the millions. And she decided she'd be golf pro, and she did it in two years. Now, if that's not creative, I don't know what is. And Calliope is going to tell us, how do you master a sport like that in two years? We'll hear all about that. Calliope, welcome. Lovely to see you. And rounding out our panel, oh, I get a kiss, Natasha Dean, and she spells her last name D-E-E-N. She's a novelist. She's a teacher. She is just, she's a slacker. She doesn't do anything. She's only written more than 40 works. She calls them works, and we're going to find out why it's not books. It's works for kids, for teens, for adults. Her books win awards in many categories. And Mm -hmm. Natasha also comes to us courtesy of Mickey Mickelson. So Natasha, thank you for joining me. And I'm just going to call this show, Read My Lips, Expanding Your Creativity, because I have the sense that that's what all of you have done. In my mind, that's the little bit of the bios I've read for you. You started with something and you just kept expanding it. And that's what I'm trying to instill in the audience. And I'm just going to give a quick definition of creativity for our new listeners or viewers around the world. It's not, are you a singer or a dancer or a painter? We're all creating our life every day. Life is an improv. You don't have to go to school to learn improv. I'm not reading a script. I'm making this you-know-what up. This is improv. This is life as it happens, in the moment, authentic, real. Be there. Be in the room. Live your life. That's what we're doing. That's how I define creativity. And how creative are you? So there we go. Let's go around the table, Sebastian. I'm so happy to have you. I'm going to take a chance against the freezing gods here. The gods aren't cold. They just freeze my computer from time to time. I'm going to put you on speaker view briefly and then back to gallery. Sebastian, would you kindly tell us who are you? Go ahead. Sure. Um, so I'm Sebastian DeCastel. I'm a Canadian fantasy author. Um, I've had uh, about a dozen books published in a couple of series so far, and I've been incredibly fortunate. They've been translated into 15 languages and sort of been all over the world. Um, but something you said before uh, is incredibly true for me, which is you said, we're all creative because we're all creating our lives. And the way that I kind of got my creative start in life was uh, when I was 16 years old, I was um, off camping by myself on a, on a little island. Um, I'm a complete uh, um, isolationist at times. Um, and I, I was trying to go to a, get a ferry to the next island and I arrived like six hours too early. And um, I found a book in this little bookstore called Bard by a, an Australian author named Keith Taylor, who's still around and he's an absolutely lovely guy. And this was a book about this character who was, uh, he was a bard, he was a wandering storyteller, sword fighter, going on adventures, traveling the world, singing songs. And, um, you know, my 16-year-old angsty self went, that's it, that's, that's, that's what I want to be. I want to be a bard. Um, uh, unfortunately, there's very few uh, job offerings for bards in the Help Wanted ads. Um, and so that kind of launched me on, on, a, on a pretty much a lifetime career of trying to put together a kind of a life um, of all these different kind of activities, which is true, I think, of a lot of authors, and I think is true of almost everyone now. You can't just sort of have this perfect career. Nobody really maps it out. You have to creatively build it for yourself. And so I did things like I became a touring musician at one point. I was an actor. I traveled around the world um, in different kinds of jobs. Um, uh, I became a, a fencer and then choreographed sword fights for the theater. And so I got my swashbuckling in. Uh, and then at last uh, became a novelist and started to write those books. And so 
um, you know, it took about, uh, it took about like 30 years, but, um, but I managed to become a bard in the aggregate, if you will. Uh, and that just um, speaks to what you were saying. It's absolutely true. We're all in the process of creating our own lives. Thank you. You couldn't have painted it any more poetically or artistically, Sebastian, the, People say, I want a job, I want to do this, I, I want to know where I am, what I'm doing, what is the project, when is the deadline, right? We know mostly in the corporate world, in the business world, we've all gone through the incredible disruptions the past few years, changing that whole paradigm. It did shift. But when you think about not being afraid of change, right, Sebastian, grabbing the wheel. Is it the brass ring? I don't know. I've had seven careers. I do more things than I ever thought I could. And I know people who say... I have a bucket list. And my answer is, hell no, I want to do it now. I'm not waiting just before I, oh, what didn't I do before I die? Heck, I don't want to even think about that. I want to say, well, I became a drummer three years ago. Why? I went and took one drum lesson. I liked it. I didn't know what to do with the sticks. I joined a band. I started bands. I played in big bands. I emceed bands. Three years from cold, from scratch. Just I took out a paint. I bought a cheap paint kit at Michael's. I let it sit for two years. I opened it up. I now have 200 paintings. So this is in addition to work. In addition to this, it just, I agree with you, Sebastian, we just keep adding. But don't you think that's the creative spirit that allows us to do that? What do you think? I do. I think it's, I, I think it's also comes from finding it inside ourselves to, to not get kind of beaten down by the, the categories that are constantly imposed on us in life. And, and they're, you know, and they're imposed in all different ways. Yes. Um, but, but, but by actually saying, I, I don't think that I really fit that category. I'm going to figure out a way to kind of build a, a, a sense of myself that is separate from that. And you're exactly right. It doesn't necessarily have to be that someone's giving you money to do something. A, a writer isn't a writer because somebody paid them for a book. A writer is a writer because they create stories and they put them on paper. Thank you. And I'll never forget. Uh, ladies, I'll get to you in one second. Calliope, you're next. I'll never forget going to a singles party on Long Island. I'm a New Yorker, as if you couldn't tell. And going one night and people said, well, what do you do? And I will addition to my marketing job for a big company. I have a radio show. And some jerk said to me, do you get paid? And I said, I'm the drive time host for the, the biggest Long Island AM station in New York, the oldest one. And I trade the radio time for my skills and contribution to the station. I do their PSAs. I bring in authors. I, I, it's, it's a, they said, but you don't get paid. You couldn't be any good. I'm just going to let that sit on top of your heads, all of you. Yeah, they got over that. If they know me now with, with 4 million listeners in the past three years all over the world and 55 series, yeah, I get paid now. But that wasn't the point. That wasn't the point. The point was creating and going and learning about me, about the world, about what does radio give you. And here we are. Sebastian, thank you for agreeing with me. I appreciate it very much. I'll, the check will be in later. Calliope Barless. Everybody loves your name. I heard them at the Publicity Summit. How'd you get that name? It's so beautiful. It's interesting. Calliope, welcome. And please tell us, how did you get to be a golf pro in two years? Everybody wants to know. Calliope, go ahead. Oh, well, thanks so much for having me, Radio Red. It's just awesome to be with you and your fans. And um, to start, it's just a, a real funny story. I woke up one morning after going out with a friend of mine to golf. He had taken me out, and I had never played the game. And uh, scored like an 80 on the first hole. And so I just couldn't do it. And one morning I woke up and said, I have to play golf professionally. 
And so I started reading some books, but there was this one book that when I applied everything you talked about, it actually worked. And so at the end of the book, it said, give me a call if you want to get better at this. So I did, met him, spent five days with him and ended up scoring just bogey golf right after that in just one week. And it was purely because he taught me how to think successfully and creatively think about your target. Because the one thing he said is that every hole out there is going to start looking the same. And so what can you do inside your mind to make it different in order to engage your brain? Because there's something funny about the brain. If you do something, the same thing over and over again, it just gets bored. So what can you do to make a target bigger, brighter, more colorful in order to be engaged with it? And so that's what every target became. I mean, I, I won't get into how creative I really got because some of this stuff I can't even talk about on radio or television. <laughs> but the truth is, One of those seven banned words or are we going into right. another? Okay, got it. Go ahead. <laughs> Continue. And so it's all about creating a target inside your mind, not just with golf, right? But with anything in life. Because when you sort, when you, when you set a destination for your life, like you were saying, creating your life, when you set a destination, some, some sort of career that you want, like just this past weekend, I entered a tournament. I haven't played very many in the past years, but my mind was I'm winning and I got mm -hmm. the lowest score. And so it was not because of my skill. I guarantee it, but. It was my ability to imagine, be creative about getting done what needed to get done. Absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Tell us a little bit about what else you do. I know you're an NLP trainer, practitioner, just a little bit, Calliope. Yeah, so I, I license people to become pr practitioners and master pracs and coaches of neuro-linguistic programming. And I know the name sounds daunting to some people, uh, but the truth is, is we look at how thought has structure. Because a lot of the time when people have, let's say, a, a memory that they don't want to remember, it, it looks very differently from a memory where they had the most fabulous time in their life. It's colorful, it's bright, it's clear, and, and they can recollect it like instantly because it's such a beautiful memory. And so I guide people to give them the tools to become practitioners so that they can start guiding others to start being creative about their life and getting more of what they want. Can you give me a two-sentence definition of NLP for people who don't know what it is, please? <laughs> sure, sure. So we look at subjective experience because let's put it this way. Thought has structure, and because of that, your behavior has a structure. So whenever it is that we do anything, it's a strategy. No matter what, you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth. You know that you have to put your toothpaste on the toothbrush to get it done. And so bad habits have a sequence as well as good habits. And it's about looking at the structure of the good habits and the not so good habits so that we can change those not so good habits into good ones. Thank you very much. I like the into good ones. I especially like that part. <laughs> Thank you very much. And let's go to Natasha Dean. Natasha, as I said, you come to me through Mickey Mickelson. Happy to have you. And let's hear all about that. 40 works. Are you serious? I want to know all about you, <laughs> Natasha. Go ahead. 
Uh, well, thank you very much. And, and thank you to all of our listeners and viewers for joining us tonight. I'm really quite excited to be here. And I have to say, uh, I'm so into uh, Calliope and Sebastian, what you've been talking about. I've sort of forgotten how to think and make words. So um, let me see if I can do this. Uh, 40 works, I call it works because I've done plays and uh, pieces for magazines and uh, books, short stories, the whole bit. Um, much like Sebastian, I also started with a very humble uh, want when it came to my career. I wanted to be a superhero when I was a kid. And, you know, they told me I could be anything if I just believed enough. And at around uh, eight, I had to come to the harsh reality that um, no matter how much you believe and think and wish, you will never be able to fly. And uh, that was that was that. <laughs> Uh, and 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 really, like I, I was in university to um, pursue my master's in psychology, and it was through taking those classes that all of a sudden, you know, going back to what you said, Red, about creativity and the stories we tell ourselves, um, how much of our reality is made by the stories we tell ourselves, and that at heart, this is what we are. We are storytellers. I love my job. I hate my job. You know, I wish I could sell my kids to the circus every once in a while. Those those kinds of things. <laughs> Um, and that's what started the transition to wanting to be a writer. And then I just wanted to write whatever I wanted to write. So I uh, go through all kinds of genres. I do fantasy and mystery, and I write for the littles, and I write for the bigs. And it's just um, just a whole lot of fun. I have two questions for you. Mm -hmm. When you were going to be a superhero or contemplating that, what did your cape look like? Oh, it was gold red. Gold. <laughs> Didn't everybody want to know what her cape was looking like? I did. I really did. And second question is, you write in different genres, you said. Is YA young adult different from, from fantasy other than the language? Is there a special, are the, the themes so different? Or could you have fantasy that's also for YA? Is there a, a cross genre there? Yeah, absolutely. Because we're, we're talking there is, is two different things, right? We're at, one thing is age category. So the early readers, which is like six to nine, uh, middle grade, which is nine to 12, young adult, 12 to 18, and then adult, you know, 18 all the way up. Um, and then the genres are like fantasy, contemporary. So yeah, everything can, can mix and match. It's just being aware. And this is something I teach. I teach for the University of Toronto. Um, and my number one rule to everyone that comes into my class is you have to respect your reader. So little kids can handle big topics. You just have to be able to come at them in a way that they understand. And the, the challenge with writing for littles, the things that I love, is we are teaching them how to read. We are teaching them vocabulary. We are teaching them all of those writing fundamentals so that when they grow up and become adults, they are long readers of story. Also, can I just say that for all of us readers and writers, are kind of superheroes, right? Because reading teaches us a subtext of reasoning and critical thinking. So all, all things every good superhero needs. Thank you, Natasha. Your, your voice is breaking up a little there at the end, but we got through it. We heard most of it. So make sure everybody, I'm just going to say to my guests, and I do the same thing, make sure any app you do not need right now is turned off, and that'll cut down on your bandwidth, okay? That'll cut down on the pull on your bandwidth. Thank you. Natasha, I, I hope your audio is I can't, I have one question. How many hours a week do you write? How many hours a day do you write? 
Oh, it varies. I think one of the cool things about being creative is that it's a it's a flexible thing, right? So some days we get up and we want to do it for the whole day. And some days we get up and the world calls and we've got 15 minutes as we're standing in the, the line up through the grocery store on our iPhone, right? Trying to, try to get in those words. Yeah, that's if exactly If somebody it. says, I'm all thumbs, it's I'm writing my next novel. Mind your own business, right? There you go. Exactly. You used to be. Exactly. Thank you very much, all three of you, for your wonderful introductions. I'm impressed by each of you, and I'm impressed by all of you. Now it's time for the quotes. If you're a new listener or viewer, I ask my guests in advance to send me a quote that has nothing to do with the word creativity specifically, literally, but they're going to explain what it reminds them of about creativity, what it makes them think about creativity. So let's start with Sebastian de Castell, and he has sent a wonderful quote from Rhett Butler, played by, oh, swoon now, Clark Gable, Gone with the Wind, 1939 American an epic historical romance film. Talk about a blending of genres. It became the highest earning film up to that point, Sebastian, and held the record for over 25 years. Adjusted for today's monetary inflation, it's still the highest grossing film in history. Did you know that? Gone with I did the not. And I will tell you that there is a resurgence of people on my radio shows picking quotes from Wizard of Oz, 1939, also, Gone with the Wind, and there are other similar movies from that, uh, some early Alice in Wonderland animated movies. People are going back to those movies for quotes. So, of course, here is the quote. I love this one. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Okay, Sebastian, put my mind at ease. What does this have to do with creativity? Can't wait. Well, it seems to me lately, and I think people have long felt this, but we've entered sort of a period where now I think everybody is sort of hit with it, maybe for the first time, which is that other people's passionate views about everything, but specifically about art, what is good art, what isn't good art, you know, all of those kind of things, um, can be it can be the sort of overwhelming tide that feels like it's sort of going to swamp us. And the safest thing to do if you're about to get swamped by by a, by a giant wave is is to really just cover yourself up and protect yourself. Um, but I but I think in fact one of the things that everyone who's creative has to learn teach themselves to do certainly it's something I'm having to teach myself to do is to be able to stand in the face of that other passion which can be very sincere um, and and kind of hold your ground um, and walk away from that. Um, so I write fantasy and Natasha does as well. The fantasy community is. Um, wonderful in many ways. It's also, uh, it's exceptionally passionate. And I'm using that in the almost archaic sense of the word of uh -huh. passion as like an agon, a form of agony. Um, they're in a sort of almost constant state of agony and always wanting to tell people, you know, I hate what you did. I love what you did. You have to do more of this. You're not allowed to do more of this. Um, and what I liked about that, that one moment in Gone with Wind, which Lord knows I haven't seen since I was probably eight years old. Um, but I just always remembered that was that in the face of Scarlett's tremendous passion, you know, like she, this sort of, he says, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Like, you know, he, it's as if she's saying, well, how dare you? You can't possibly walk away from me because I want you so badly. And he sort of he sort of makes that tough decision. Not He's not just standing up against her, but he's standing up against his own inclinations, his own sort of tendency to keep coming back. And so I think from a creative standpoint, that's something I didn't feel that when I first started writing necessarily, but I feel today like part of creativity is being able to sort of look at the passions of the world and say, you know, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to go write what I want to write. 
Thank you. And that's what Natasha said as well. I'm going to write what I, my, my novel's been put on hold, but it's a scathing, I'll tell you all later. I have to have a pen name that has nothing to do with me, but one of the names will mean red in another language so that nobody comes after me. Because the opening is, if there's any resemblance to people, places, smells, cars, houses, hairstyles, golf clubs, anything, put that in there for you, Calliope, to any real person, it probably is. So <laughs> the name of the book is You Big Dummy, but that's a, there's a subtitle to explain it. Anyway, I had to say that. Yes, and, and I have to make a comment back to you, Sebastian, I, for all, th- all three of my special guests tonight. Used to be that when you're putting together a resume... CV, whatever you want to call it, professional curriculum vitae, you had to focus on one thing, right? That one job. What what are you good at? Are you a project leader? Are you a marketing person? Are you a scientist? We couldn't say it. And I looked at your bio, Sebastian, and yours, Natasha, and Calliope. We're all a melange, a melange of so many things that we're not afraid to say. I do this. I may not earn money for everything, but I do this. I'm this. I'm that. I'm all of these things. The fear is gone. You don't have to just be that one thing anymore. And that's what I like about it has evolved, that we're allowed to be more than one thing. Because I had a friend who was an attorney, uh, he was a CPA many years ago, and he said he was going to try and help me get a marketing job in some company he knew. And he said, your bio has too many things in it narrow it down. Nobody wants to know about everything you've done. They don't care that you were a computer programmer analyst back in the day. They care that you're doing marketing now. They don't care that you're a graphic designer. You're just doing marketing. You're a writer. You work in a company. That's what they want to know. And I said, oh my God, how am I going to take this and distill it? He was asking me to basically say they only want to know one dimension. Anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent here. Thank you for the quote, Sebastian. Appreciate it. And Calliope, I think there was a different name of the person who sang the song than what you sent me. I did my homework. It's Zach Williams, his album, 2016 Chain Breaker. He's an American Christian rock artist from Jonesboro, Arkansas. And in 2007 to 2012, he was a member and lead vocalist, acoustic guitar and harmonica. Talk about a lot of instruments. This guy's a musician, right? Of the Zach Williams and the Reformation or Reformation, also lead singer of the Christian group Brothers of Grace. And they renamed it Zach Williams and the Brothers of Grace. This guy's just all over the place. He went solo in 2016. The line you've picked from one of his songs is, there ain't nobody gonna steal my joy. I love that. I'm I'm whispering loud for Josh. I love that. Okay, Calliope, how'd you find this one? And what does it have to do with our creativity? It's just a great statement, right? It's like no matter what anybody does, what anybody says, there ain't nobody going to steal my joy. And, you know, the thing about being creative inside your mind is that there's always time to find something that you're really good at, no matter if, let's say, walking down, like I live in New York City, right? So like there's a lot of stuff that happens in this city, right? No matter what. And so you got to be creative on how to let it roll over your head, right? And so it's about creating your inner space and keeping an eye on where it is that you want to be going in order to get there, no matter what. And, you know, like you said, so many of us here in this forum, uh, your guests and you, we've all done things that make us so unique, so many things that we've done so unique. And I mean, I think I'm on my fourth career right now. 
right? Okay, so, um, and it's always a matter of getting things done in a way that really is unique to you as anyone else, right? It's like, we've got a fingerprint that's unique. We've got an iris that's unique to anyone else on this planet. And no matter what, you have the ability to maintain your joy. I like that. My life is very complicated right now with a lot of lot of things that are not going the way they were supposed to. And when I read that line in the song you picked, Calliope, even though I'm not Christian and I don't know who Zach Williams is, when I read that... Nor do I, heard, I really. <laughs> and I heard you say what you just said while you were talking, seriously. I said to myself, I'm going to, after the show, I'm going to create a little, a little safe box, a safe space in my, in my mind. And I'm going to say when things get too much, which they have been recently, I'm going to go to that place and say, there is joy in what I'm doing somewhere. And I'm going to find it and protect it and nurture it and enjoy it. You did that for me, Calliope. Thank you. Cool. Seri seriously. Yes. <laughs> very, very cool. Thank you. Okay. Let's go to Natasha Dean. Natasha, I have got your quote up. This is an interesting one. The character is Karen Eiffel. I assume I'm pronouncing it right. Played by the wonderful Emma Thompson. This is more recent than the movie Sebastian picked. Stranger Than Fiction, 2006 American fantasy comedy drama. Fantasy comedy drama. They don't put dashes in, but I had to. Fantasy comedy drama. Uh, directed by Mark Forster, blah, 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 blah. Stars Will Ferrell, Pharrell, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Dustin Hoffman, Queen Latifah, Emma Thompson. Doesn't get any better than that. The main plot follows Harold Crick, played by Pharrell, Ferrell, IRS agent who begins hearing oh, a disembodied voice narrating his life as it happens and seemingly the text of a novel that says he, the main character, will soon die. And he frantically seeks to prevent that. And actually, Will Ferrell was praised for his restrained performance. This was his first dramatic role. And here's the line. It's a long one. Because it's a book about a man who doesn't know he's about to die and then dies. But if the man does know he's going to die and dies anyway, dies willingly, knowing he could stop it, then, I mean, isn't that the type of man you want to keep alive? <laughs> <laughs> I hope I did the read okay. I like doing cold <laughs> reads, Natasha. Natasha, take us through this. What is it to do with creativity? Like, we don't know. Creativity. Oh, my gosh. On, on so many levels. So as a creative person in who works with the written word, uh, every sentence in the screenplay is just gold and delicious. And this line, when you think about all of these characters and their growth and it's coming together, it's amazing. It absolutely sums up character. Like, so it inspires me to challenge myself as a creative person in the world. But also when you think about it, um, and I'm trying really hard not to give away any spoilers, but it is the person who does the unpredictable thing, the unexpected thing. But at the end of the day, they are doing the thing that turns them, that grounds them, that gives them space. And in you know, when he does that, he ends up giving space to all of the other people around him. And so I think about that. That that is at heart creativity is being true to yourself, even if nobody else understands what the heck you're doing or why you're doing it. Um, and, and that in choosing ourselves and prioritizing ourselves and our creative selves, we have space for other people to choose their creative selves as well. And I just, I love everything about that. And also the idea that there's, there's space in creativity and to remember that is, it may be difficult, but it is also beautiful. 
So I, I keep you. all that in mind. Difficult, but beautiful. A lot of, lot of good inspiration there. Thank you all for doing the homework on the quotes. I know you probably are not asked to do that for many media appearances, but you do on my shows. Thank you very much. Let's do a creativity statement from each of you now. You've all been very kind and sent me four statements. And I picked one in advance for Sebastian just because it jumped off the page at me when I was putting my notes together. And when you're finished talking, I'll pick spontaneously pick one for Calliope and one for Natasha. And I didn't, I'm not going to put them in the chat for you. I'm just going to read them. So your statement number two, Sebastian, I love this. You say, the more your fiction says something honest, the more potent it is, and the more people you'll irritate. That's creativity. I love the word irritate. What are we talking about here? Because you, I think you know what my book's going to do. Sebastian, talk to me. I think that's that's part of the nature of you know the, the artistic process, right? Like we're, we can all be creative in, um, in our lives and in our thoughts. Um, but once you sort of shift to that mode of being an artist, whether you're painting something or whether you're writing something or singing something, um, you're 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 now taking in this space, uh, and you're and you have to fill it with something. And if you fill it with uh, what you ex- what you expect everyone else to like, um, you might even, you might be successful at it, but there'll never be that sort of potency. You know, like sometimes you read a book, I, I find this with books, I find this even with television shows or movies and, and certainly with works of art, you know, paintings and such. Sometimes you don't even like it, but you can feel the potency behind it. You know that you're looking at something honest. It doesn't necessarily have to be something you agree with, but you know that it's, it's saying something honest and therefore it's filled with that potency. Um, but for a lot of people sort of out there in the world who, like all of us, are so bombarded by things we like or threat or we don't like or things that threaten us, things that make us feel like we're in danger of, of one thing or another, that we've, we tend to be very, I certainly tend to be sort of very closed off sometimes. And so someone will do something and the more honest and potent it is, the more likely it is that, that there'll be something about it that really kind of grinds me. And, uh, and that's, and, that, and I find that true in my own writing. It's the things that are going to achieve the, the, the most amount of, of um, excitement from readers uh, are also the things that are going to um, create the most people who will come out and write me a letter and say, how dare you say this? Uh, you know, this is horrible. And, and their pain is genuine. And, you know, I, one of the things writers, I'm sure Natasha has been asked this many times, uh, you know, how do you react to one star reviews? Um, you know, I, 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 so sometimes writers get these one star reviews and, and um, the funny thing about one star reviews is often they can be like seven pages long. Um, and someone just <clears throat> really just like going out. Now, if you think about when you read a book and you don't like it, what do you do? You put it down, you don't finish it. If you do finish it and you really don't like it, you just toss it away or you give it away or you do something, you get rid of it, but you don't think about it. You don't let it occupy your space. For someone to sit down and write a seven page scathing one star review saying that this is the most horrifying transgressive work ever and the author the most depraved possible person. What, what's actually happening is a whole bunch of pain that they've got locked inside of them is just coming out. Like they, they've had it locked in there and it's been eating away at them. And something that you said, even though they hated it, has allowed them to give kind of voice to that discomfort and voice that pain. And so for me, I think that itself is sometimes a good thing. I When I see my one-star reviews. And, I, and I've had a few where people are just exploding. I always think, you know what, that was a good day's work. 
I, I helped, I probably helped that person in some fashion a lot more than I helped the people who just write, oh, this was a really fun, light adventure. And so, yeah, I think sometimes uh, if you want your art to be potent, it has to be honest, but the price of that potency is that it's going to irritate some people, but the, but the silver lining of that is that sometimes that's actually when you're contributing the most. I've never heard it put that way. I think a lot of authors and people in the arts are probably saying, thank God he said that. I wondered what to do with that. But in a way, if we go back to the creativity theme, you're creating a space for these people to vent about what you said that got to them. You're giving them, you're giving them an audience of you for the one star they got you to listen to them and let them get it out. Very interesting. I like that. And I'm going to go to, thank you, Sebastian. Calliope, I'm going to combine your statements one and two. Uh, one of them is a little similar to what Simon, uh, what Sebastian just said. Sorry for that. Number one, you say creativity is looking for the best because it's too easy to look for the worst. And your statement number two says creativity is feeling comfortable by being <clears throat> while being surrounded by what's unfamiliar. I've been a cough and you talk. Go ahead. <coughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, if it's one thing I've learned is that we learn the most by putting ourselves in different situations and learn the least when we're doing the same thing over and over and over again. And so I think we're meant to be here to learn a lot, you know, and, enjoy learning it you know sure some stuff may be a little more challenging than others but that's life and the truth is is that when you look at things in a way that you know you know you're going to get over it no matter what it's like so many people go through what they go through and in the end everything's okay right and so for a lot of people, we're taught, you know, I learned from Dr. Richard Bandler. He's a co-creator of NLP, mentored with him for over a decade. Very fortunate to do so. He's an absolutely luminary genius. And, um, you know, one thing he's always said is uh, genius is knowing what you do, you don't do well. What, knowing what you do well, what you don't do well, so you know what to do next. And so, you know, uh, Einstein said that the mark of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Well, when we do the same things, we're not going to get a diff different result, right? And so it's throwing yourself in there, into life, to do different things creatively, the same way that, you know, um, Sebastian, Natasha, you, Radio Red, have so many shows yourself, you keep doing different things and you probably learn so many different things from so many creative people. So basically it's life. Life is a beautiful <laughs> thing. And the more that we honor our life, no matter what happens, no matter if it's not so good or good, it can always get better. Thank you. Let me go go to Natasha. I'm creating as I go along here. I got to talk to Mr. <laughs> Tim, Tim Cook after this one. So Natasha, I want to look at statement number two from you. This is very interesting. You say to be creative is to be willing to ask questions, answer them, realize the answers are incorrect and try again. Natasha, talk to me. That's interesting. You've all said such different statements from most of my usual guests. So thank you very much. Natasha, talk to me. What does this mean? 
Um, well, I think I'm sort of uh, jumping off of what both Calliope and, and Sebastian have talked mm-hmm. about, right? The idea of pain, the idea of, you know, life happening and finding the joy um, and being curious, right? And being open to the fact that actually we don't know everything and we can answer something um, and then realize the answer is wrong. Uh why is the sky blue? Why does it rain? You know, all of those things, the way we answer that when we're six is not necessarily the way we answer it when we are 16. Um, and it's, it's okay. Like I think creativity is, is the opportunity to evolve and change and be flexible and be agile in our thinking. Um, and as long as I think we're curious, I think we're always going to be kind of okay with that. I like that. Curious is a great word for creativity. I had a guest a couple weeks ago, see what you all think about this. She said, courageous creativity. Sebastian, what do you think of that? Do you need to be courageous, courageous to be really creative? What do you think? I do. I think, I think it's, uh, I think it's an essential part of the process. You're always kind of having to dig inside of yourself. And often you're having to dig into places that maybe aren't that comfortable, which I think, you know, Calliope and, and Natasha have both emphasized, right? That, that, that there is that out of that discomfort is where you kind of get some of the beauty, you know, n- nobody really, sometimes we try to avoid getting down in the dirt, but down in the dirt is where the flowers grow. I like that. There's, there's that pain point, right? It hurts. Let me be creative. Calliope, what do you think? You agree? I absolutely do agree that creativity requires being courageous. Uh, You know, I think about, let's say a golf shot. Okay. I don't know how many people can relate to this, but when you look down the fairway and you have to get a little white ball hundreds of yards away to a destination and you actually do it, there is a feeling of greatness that occurs. And it's like, okay, how can I get this little thing out there as far as I can and even into a hole? And, you know, there's an interesting thing that, that they call it something weird in golf. I'm not even going to say it because I don't want to put it in people's heads. But, uh, you know, especially competitors, there could be like a putt, like, you know, two feet long, but something goes through their head. Am I going to sink it? It's only two feet. But you have to have the courage to actually get it into the hole. And the more that you're courageously creative about seeing a little train track with your ball rolling through that little distance and getting it into the hole, you know, you can get to any destination in your life in the fewest amount of steps. And that's what it really comes down to. Thank you. Very interesting. And um, Natasha, what do you think? Courageous like that? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of people that will never achieve their dreams and their goals because they think that somehow if they're good at it, it should be easy or it should come to them easily. And I think what we're all talking about tonight is that creativity, in my mind, being courageously creative is to embrace that failure and like the really painful, like fall on your face failure and get back up and and try again. And I think anything worth doing is worth failing at and and getting up and doing it all over again, just to see, just to see if you could get it done. Not for the money enough, but just, you know, Clive, you said it so well, like for the the sense of greatness, the sense of accomplishment. Yes, I did this. Even then, I, even if I didn't think I could, this is, this is the thing. And 
I'm eating, I'm eating dirt, but look, like Sebastian <laughs> said, there's, there's flowers in my teeth. I got this. Right? <laughs> and, and uh, Natasha, on that theme, one of your other creativity statements is about self-care, taking mm. care of yourself emotionally, physically, while you're being courageously creative. That's a tongue twister. Thank you very much, all of you. Appreciate that. I like the sidebars. Let's do some famous birthdays and some silly holidays. Anybody remember Linda Hamilton, actress who played Sarah Connor in the Terminator series and Catherine Chandler in the TV series Beauty and the Beast? She's 66 today. Happy birthday, Linda Hamilton. And does anybody remember the gentleman who played Jesus Christ in The Passion of the Christ and who played John Reese on the CBS TV series, a really creepy series, Person of Interest. His name oh, is yeah. Jim Caviezel, and he's 54 mm -hmm. today. There you go. And the first part of the show, just the recording on Zoom just told me to save it. I'll do that after the show. And then somebody we all know who's been in the news who was fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. What's going on here? Oh, my goodness. Are we live? What's going on? I'm getting screens. I'm. You know what? I just hit the hit the replay. <laughs> Never mind. You don't want to know. Uh, Serena Williams today is 41 years old. American, they said former or retired. She retired, what, three days ago? Professional tennis player, world number one in singles by the Women Tennis Association for 319 weeks, including a joint record of 186 consecutive weeks. And she finished as the year-end number one five times. Yay, Serena. And there's an actor named Monty Montana. Does anybody remember? Anybody know who he is? Besides me, I think we froze. Give us a hint. Well, there's a, a TV show called Good Girls. And he's got a lot of tattoos and he's a really evil guy. Anybody remember Mandy oh. Montana? He, well, he has a, he's a role with uh, oh, all kinds of people in that show. Rita, Retta is in it and um, uh, Christina Hendricks is in it. Anyway, we'll unfreeze eventually here. There we go. Happy birthday, Manny Montana. He's an evil, evil dude. He's the one who's uh, blackmailing them and he's they're laundering money for him through one of their their car dealerships. And it's, I had to stop watching. It just got too evil. And I thought he was dead and he made a deal with the FBI and then he didn't make it in and he wasn't dead. And then they saw him. Uh, another one who started out as a real evil character actress and ended up being, oh, so all American, Zoe Perry. Zoe Perry is only 38. Zoe Perry plays Mary Cooper in Young Sheldon, which was the prequel to the Big Bang Theory, Sheldon Cooper. She plays his mom, church going as a job in the church, very church, very morality. And she was in <laughs> scandal does anybody remember the show yeah well zoe perry was that evil unnamed blonde woman who was blackmailing somebody near the end of the series who arrived at somebody's back door and said terrible things and she was she just anyway zoe perry is the daughter i didn't know this i knew her father was jeff perry who was one of the political operatives on scandal however she's laurie metcalf's daughter as well laurie metcalf and jeff perry were married briefly, and they had Zoe. How about that? Now, here's somebody I wouldn't normally put in, but she was married to Elon Musk twice. Her name is Tallulah Jane Riley Milburn. Calliope, do you know her name? Yeah. You do? Okay. I, just, I saw she was married to him. What? From 2010 yeah. to 2012, and what? 2013 to 2016. She, she changed her mind. I don't know if there's a parallel to buying Twitter or not in there. Well, I wanted to, and then I changed that. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll. Anyway, uh, in memoriam, we're freezing again. This is terrible. We got about seven minutes left. We'll get through this, everybody, and I apologize for that. In memoriam, somebody who left us just a couple of weeks ago, Olivia Newton-John, British 
Australian singer, actress, activist. 1948, September 26th was her birthday, and she passed away on August 8th. I don't like to do too many in memoriams. Okay, freezing, you can stop now. And the other one is everybody knows about Pavlov's dog, right? The conditioning, the, the, the experimental psychologist who made medical attempts to understand our reflexes, Ivan... Petrovich Pavlov, a.k.a. Pavlov, lived from 1849 to 1936, and Pavlov's dog was the one he did the experiments on. So in memoriam. Now, a couple of social media stars who are having birthdays today. I guarantee, Sebastian, you never heard of them. And if you have, well, just admit it. it it's, it's, Christ, it's really Crystal. One word. I-T-S-R-E-A-L-L-Y-C-R-Y-S-T-A-L. She's an Instagram. She's 21. She has beauty posts, beauty vlogs, makeup routines, lifestyle entries. She had a crystal YouTube channel and she gained only 650,000 additional people when she went to the Insta channel. Sebastian, are you a follower of It's Really Crystal? No, I think uh, I think when 54-year-old men follow 21-year-old beauty uh, <laughs> bloggers, uh, there's generally something wrong with those gentlemen. But not that I mean, maybe there isn't. I would feel a little strange. <laughs> well, you know, for appearances, she might have some good beauty tips. There's another one who's a video game streamer who only ha- – oh, he's not popular at all. Why did I bring up his birthday? He only has 70,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. His name is Sneegsnag. You want to put that in one of your books, Natasha, for a character name? Or Sebastian, would you name anybody Sneak Snag? We froze again. He's 25. And then we have somebody who's very wholesome. Her name is Christine Family Funnel Pack. And she's the matriarch of the Family Fun Pack family channel with her husband, Matt, and their children. And they mean real business because I'll tell you, they have more than 10 million subscribers since they began in October 2011. Again, her name is Christine with a K, Family Funnel Pack. And she's a YouTube star. What would you do with 10 million subscribers, Sebastian? What do you think? Uh, I would try start to get a one beauty pers- vlog. Yes, start, <laughs> my, start, a beauty start, vlog. start my beauty vlog for middle-aged men. Very Actually, good. that's something we probably do. Maybe somebody's doing that. That's, that's what I'm going to do you. after this show. I'm going to go look for that or start one. I bet you. I bet they are. Calliope, what do you think? I think it's amazing that all these people are doing all this stuff and being creative. Yep. Right. It's like, who would think that making a, a family YouTube channel about fun? <laughs> 10 million followers. Amazing. Unbelievable. And they've been doing it for 11 years. Okay. We have some silly holidays for today. And then we're going to go around and get some of your websites where you want people to follow you. So it's alpaca day. Does anybody have a pet alpaca? <laughs> No, but I now I want one. And the fr- <laughs> you want one? Well, see if Michael Jackson's estate will get one for you. I think he had two. It's better breakfast day. Did anybody have a better breakfast today? <laughs> yep. I had my usual breakfast. I don't know. It's love note day. Aw. Just aw. Lovely. And then it's two two food holidays today. It's National Dumpling Day and National Pancake Day. So I guess it's what your what your culture is, a dumpling, you know, you put it in a hot something, super oil or grease or something liquid, and it, it forms this doughy thing that's delicious, or you can have filling in it. And a pancake is a pancake. I recently discovered an alternative to Bisquick, and I'm not promoting anything, but it's crusties, and I like their muffin 
mixes. They're really, really good. But this is add water only, and it has sweet cream in it. And you just add a little water, half as much water as powder, mix it up, and they just rise up fluffy with little bubbles in them with no effort at all. Put them in a stick-free pan, and you've got the best pancakes. I've never had a mix like that. You don't need eggs. You don't need milk. I don't know how much, how long that stuff's been in there, but they're very, very good. I'm taking that when I move. It's also National Amanda Day. Does anybody, I know none of you are named Amanda. Does anybody know any Amandas? Natasha's looking at me like, seriously? Well, in the 17th and 18th centuries, Natasha, playwrights, poets, and novelists named a lot of their characters Amanda. And in the 1980s, TV shows like Dynasty, Scarecrow, and Mrs. King, and Melrose Place also had Amanda characters. And that was 1976 to 1995. Amanda was one of the 10 most popular female names in the entire United States. In 1980, Amanda was the second most popular female. I'm sure nobody gives a crap, but I'm just reading this. And by 2000, boohoo, it had dropped to number 32. So let's go around. We've got two minutes left. Josh is going to, oh, remind me. Okay. Yeah. Till break. We already broke the show once, Josh. Thank you very much. Websites. Sebastian, you're first. Where do we want people to find you? It's just my last name, www.decastel.com, D-E-C-A-S-T-E-L-L. And um, yeah, you can find uh, everything about me there. Wonderful. Thank you very much. D-E-C-A-S-T-E-L-L.com. Calliope Barless, where do you want people to find you? Love for you to go to www.buildingyourbest.com. B-U-I-L-D-I-N-G-Y-O-U-R-B-E-S-T.com. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Natasha, I'm, so, I'm going to win this spelling bee no matter what. Don't go away, everybody. We'll talk afterwards. Natasha, what, where do you want people to go? Uh, to Natasha Dean with two E's.com. And I just wanted to say, Linda Hamilton is also still in, um, she's still acting, Resident Alien. So you can be 61 and still creative and still 66. 66. 66. Yes, 66. I know. A lot of people in their 60s are still doing amazing things. So that's Natasha, N-A-T-A-S-H-A-D-E-E-N.com. Is that it? You win the spelling bee. I do. I you do. do. I messed up on the word exercise once in a spelling bee. I think in fifth grade, I lost on that word. I think I was second or third, and I was really, really annoyed. I didn't know how to say I was really pissed in those days because I was a very polite kid. Anyways, just about time for us to say goodbye. I want to thank my engineer, Josh, the one name wonder. Josh, thank you very much. Josh wrote me a note in the, in the bar, sidebar of Zoom, and he said, I told them to keep talking while your, your Mac went off. <laughs> I, I literally, it shut down. The whole thing went black, and I had to sign back in again, and it just came right back up. Join Zoom, and notes just popped up without having to restart where that means it wasn't a full shutdown. Oh my God, as if I had enough. Let's do the closing here. Life is short. Break the rules. Forgive quickly. Kiss slowly. Trust me, it's the only way to kiss, not to get personal. Love truly from your heart. Laugh uncontrollably. Everybody join me in that laugh. One, two, three. (laughs) 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 See, I should always do that at the beginning of the show when I don't. And never regret anything that made you smile, including that. Here's the final file. I got to work. Work like you don't need the money because nobody really cares. Just do it. Dance like no one's watching. When I was dancing, they were watching. Sing like nobody's listening. I tried not to sing and I succeeded. And love like you've never been hurt. Let your heart heal, rejuvenate, regroup, refresh, regroup, and love again you will money talks chocolate sings la and last but not least and i stole this line from somebody thank you for turning me on radio red saying goodbye guests stick around josh i'm supposed to count to one thousand two 
Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host aka Radio Red again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool creative week.